the only reason he got a meeting with Broccoli was that he ran past the secretary and ran up the hall when she wasn't looking and barged into the office wearing all the Sean Connery stuff that he'd bought. With a Playboy magazine. And and basically demanded, not demanded, but keep, gave him a, a speech as to why he was to be James Bond and all that. And... Hello and welcome to the For Your Ears Only podcast. Today's episode we are talking about On Her Majesty's Secret Service from 1969, directed by Peter Hunt. My name is Jack and this is Derek. Hello, 006. This is episode 006. So, Derek, what's your initial thoughts on this film? I don't really have any. Like, I remember it roughly um, when I was very young, but more, more so the song than the film. The song is timeless. Which song? song? Is, which song? Yeah. On Her Majesty's Secret Service by John Barry. The instrumental? Yes. Ah, I thought you were going to say the other song. The Louis Armstrong. Ah, the Louis Armstrong one is quite timeless as well, and it's it's throughout, but the On Her Majesty's Secret Service is... No one says they don't like that song. True. It's one Everyone of the best. says that is, one of the, that is one of the best James Bond songs. It's not the official one, but it's... I, th- I would say cool. it is the official one because it's in the pre-titles. It's more energetic as well. Sequence. It's just really, really good. But yeah, that, um, going back to the song, yeah, I think that was the, the strongest bit of the film. The film, I think, is okay. I think the film has hyped up a lot, but in the last six hours, <laughs> my opinion of it has changed. And in comparison, it is actually a very good song. Not song. Why am I saying song? Film. The film's very good. It's a very good film. Yeah. So when you were younger, you thought, did you kind of like dismiss the film? I don't remember a single bit about it. I remember the. I remember the kilt scene because yeah. I was just very confused. I didn't really understand it. I don't think it's a film for young people. So difficult to understand no, what's actually going on. It's not much of a kids' film. No, it's 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 an explanation of things and yeah, it's like what's happening here and I don't there's not enough shooting there's not enough action going on yeah there's not a lot of action skiing the, the skiing scenes were there as well but mm-hmm. I don't I don't really remember much about it it's a very timid film I would say in comparison to a lot of other yes. James Bond films and action films this side it's very PG-13 apart from one scene it's the skiing scene with the man who is like, like blended. Oh yeah, <laughs> that is like oh, where did that come from? But the rest of the film is very yeah. It's, it's, it's less James Bond, more just film. Yes, it's quite thriller. It's quite it's quite soft in in most cases, but that that is my impressions of it. I think it's a good film. Mm-hmm. It's memorable more so for the song, and the fact that this random person is not Sean Connery appears. <laughs> ah, <laughs> that's I'm something sure have the answers to. we'll get onto that. But for now, we have a recurring segment where one of us has to describe the film's synopsis in two minutes or less. And this week, it is Derek. Now, Derek's dancing. Derek's turn. But <clears throat> uh, last week, I said the forbidden words, which was James Bond stuff happens that you'd said the previous episode. So now that we've both had it, we're not allowed to say it anymore. Okay. Okay? I wasn't planning to we say it. We've both had a pass. No James Bond stuff really happens in this, though, which is quite easy. Ah, so there you go. Should be easy enough. I think this will be quite an easy one. Think you can do it? 
Yes, I think I can do it quite comfortably. Right, okay. I'm going to <laughs> going to get a timer up. Okay. Stopwatch. Are you ready? Three, uh, yes. two, one, go. Okay, so the film opens with uh, James Bond is driving, a, a car overtakes him aggressively, he follows the car, there's a woman gets out of the car, goes into the sea to kill herself, supposedly, and uh, he goes to rescue her. Two men appear from somewhere, fight sequence goes on, he looks at the camera goes, this never happened to the other fellow. Rolling cycle sequence, fourth wall break. Uh, then after that, James Bond is on holiday, coincidentally is at the same hotel of the person he was chasing, there's a bit of a rapport going on between them, he goes to her room, a man tries to fight him, um, he either goes to her, they canoodle, <laughs> <laughs> the same guy and other henchmen then grab him, take him to a, a known crime syndicate boss called Draco, it turns out that's um, the, the girl's father. He tries to tell him that he wants him to marry her, to bring mm-hmm. her on the straight and narrow, something like that. However, in exchange, James Bond wants information on Blofeld. One minute left. Um, information on Blofeld. Draco gives him the information after being pressured by the daughter. He goes, gets M's, tries to get M's approval. He tries to resign. M says no. He then goes on holiday, goes to find out more about this Blochamp, finds out that Hilary Bray has been a um, hired by Blofeld for this ancestry thing. He goes to uh, Pease Gloria pretending to be Hilary Bray. Spy stuff goes on. He's, oh, he's, on. he's, uh, <laughs> he's um, sneaking about and stuff with women. They find out he's James Bond. It turns out that this is all a plot um, to smuggle viruses over the world and then he can transmit it around the place unless it's a ransom from the UN. Mm-hmm. Um MI6 are ready to, or the governments are ready to give the money over, but then Draco and James Bond Ten then seconds. raid the mountainside. <laughs> then James Bond gets married to the daughter, and the daughter, <laughs> and the daughter gets killed by Blofeld out of revenge, I think. Okay. Wow. It ramped up at the end. <laughs> I knew that, that, that was six, what, six hundredths of a second over. Yeah. I think I accept that. I think you'll be fine. I think I you think did I it did, in two minutes or less. You did it about two minutes. Couple, I got the names. I got Pease Gloria. You never I, said Tracy, though. Name is Tracy. I said the girl. Her name's actually Teresa. <laughs> well. Uh, I think I, I, I covered most of it. Oh, actually, no, do you know I didn't? I didn't manage to squeeze in was the fact that they, it was a solicitor. Draco doesn't know about Blofeld. It's a solicitor in Bern that's... So I missed no, that I think out, that's so. fine. I think you think it that's is, fine. Okay, it, I didn't say anything, but I said spying happens, infiltration. Don't know. <laughs> I think that worked out fine. I don't know. I think you're trading a fine line there. Ah well. <laughs> what do you <laughs> think? <laughs> I think that was okay. Well, I think it was good. You got there in the end. Well, you, you like you said, you did ramp up. You just threw it all in <laughs> the last three seconds and then he's married and then she <laughs> dies <laughs> that's what the thing is see from the, the from the moment they're in the helicopter ready to like raid the mountain mm-hmm. there's only 15 minutes left of the film and by okay. that I'm not even including the credits and I know this because I had to leave the house and I came back to watch it again. Right. And this is the bit when he's, when Draco's like, Dracula. No, we had medicals to play. Uh-huh, that is 15 minutes left. So okay. the whole mountain fight sequence and, and the then marriage. him getting away and then been married. The whole, even the, like the bobsleigh fight and everything all happens in the last 10 minutes. Yes. Let's say 10 to 15 minutes. It's very quick. Well. 
Yeah. Mm. There you go. I know that in the book, Tracy dies on literally the last page. She gets killed and then it just ends. All right. Is it like those like kids' books? That's like, <laughs> then I woke up, then I died. <laughs> exactly. That, that's, how, that's how the story ends. With um, so I think them. I think my two minutes were okay though. I, I think they both. I, 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 I don't. I didn't. I didn't. Sh- I, I guess I didn't shoot on anything. I certainly did shoot on a lot in. But yeah, to the last. Three you get seconds. the synopsis of what I babbled through. <laughs> what, did, what did I say? I said a weird word at one point. <laughs> Canoodle. <laughs> You do canoodle. <laughs> it goes back on, to you on saying... On a balcony? Why is the bed oh, in the balcony? Oh yeah, why is the bed outside? Think of the mosquitoes. <laughs> so with the, the history side of things, we were sitting the way over. We we usually do discuss the recent history around the time of filmmaking. 1968 and 1969. Rich with history. Lots oh. of things happened. I don't think much Too influenced much. this film. But no. But it was quite a lot... Um, something that was that I thought was quite funny as in nineteen sixty eight Daniel Craig was born. Oh that's cute. Again, nothing to do with the film, but that was just a, <laughs> well. a wee thing that was there. And the the main things in nineteen sixty eight was the Civil Rights Act, mm-hmm. the Vietnam protests around the world, as yeah. it turns out, not just but a, a big one in London actually, and then there was a lot of arguing okay. and fighting and stuff the Tet Offence in Vietnam uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated uh, a US spy ship was seized by North Korea okay spying quite and a new country uh, then because it was like the 50s well, there was the Korean War and then 50s things all changed from there mm. and then obviously 1969 like the, I think they, they they went round the moon in 1968. They they took a rocket and went round the moon. Yeah, yes, good. And then they landed on it in 1969. Yes, they landed <laughs> on the moon. I have that Paul Levin on the moon. And if you, you should listen to our previous episode where we talk a lot about the moon, too and, much about the moon. <laughs> and the Masons are on the moon. Right. So Woodstock also happened in 1969. It's the end of the 60s, all the free love and the hippies and stuff, everything's coming crashing to an end yes. with politicians dying and, and yes. war everywhere. So there's lots of, I've got the anti-war protest, 250,000 people protest in Washington alone in a single day. Was this for the Martin Luther King? For, yes, for civil rights, right. anti-war protests as well. So... Everything's coming to an end. The Beatles are coming to an end. John yeah, Lennon's that, in bed. He's got the, big hair. Wasn't was that not the did John Lennon not get divorced that year? Or was it not a child that was born that year? Or child? With Yoko. A child. I don't know. No, she she had um a miscarriage, I'm oh. pretty sure in sixty eight, sixty nine. But yeah, so he's he's in his sort of bed piece when he's in line in that bed in Amsterdam. You know, he never leaves. Like, so him and Yoko have a protest that lasts for days where they sit in the bed and they invite all the press and they don't leave the bed and they have big placards that say war is over and all that kind of stuff. Hair piece was a movement called. Not heard that? Well, I think 
That's relevant somehow. The Manson murders again. happened <laughs> in '69, so literally, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually quite a point in history where there was a lot of. They say it was like peace and love and stuff, but it was very aggressive. People were still getting burned in Vietnam. There were people yeah. getting assassinated all over the place. It was actual protests. The Manson murders. Yeah, there was a lot of violence and then forced, not forced love, but like, yeah, I think like Woodstock's probably a good example of it. <laughs> nothing like 99 no. but yeah everything happy and free love and coming to an end um, and we'll get into how I think that relates to George Lazenby in a second but first of all we're going to go for the first question Yes, we have a recurring segment again where we have three questions that only the biggest Bond fans will get I think these are quite easy Question one. So, question one. There is a scene where Draco's men... Draco? Draco. I would say Draco. You must be a Weasley. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Draco's men is taking James Bond to Draco's office. Yes. And there's a janitor sweeping the floor. What famous James Bond song is the janitor whistling? Good. This kind of annoyed me. And there's a couple of other scenes that annoyed me about this. So it's going to get on to my first question for you, which you touched on there. Mm-hmm. They try and plaster over the fact that this is the same James Bond. And everyone mm-hmm. knows it's not James Bond. And it's obvious that it's not. But they try and... They put that in there. There's the fourth wall break of yes. the... This never happened to the other fellow. Like, uh-huh. am I supposed to laugh? But then... When he's clearing out his drawer and he takes out Honey Rider's knife, yeah. and underneath the mango tree plays, and then he takes out Red, Red Grant's Dance. watch and yeah. Love plays, and then he takes out the the breather that uh-huh. hasn't been stolen by the American military at that point, <laughs> um, and Thunderball plays, and it's like, okay, well, this is this supposed is supposed to be same, the same guy. This is the same guy, and I'm like, so why was George Lazenby hired? First of all, I think that that fourth wall break is probably. The worst thing that ever happens in a James Bond film. I absolutely despise it. It did make a a good fan film, though. There's a fan... F- I can't remember man's name, but it came out last year, and he uh, is called The Other Fellow, and it's about okay. real-life people called James Bond. That's the real name, and how ah. they've grown up with that. And some of them were like, well, I've never watched James Bond, but people see my ID and think, how can, you did it, like, how can you have not seen um, it if it's your name? It's, it's just massive. Of, I don't know. Um, but that's cool. That, I that, just that's think that's a fan the worst. From last year, but he used that, and I thought that was actually quite a good name for it. But yeah, it's. You mean my dad were looking at him going, "Why? Why did you why? have to do that, that whole opening? I didn't really like that whole opening scene. I thought it was just a bit because the opening scene starts with uh, him driving through Portugal and it's like who is he who isn't because he's all in the shadows and it's different angles you can't see who he is on smoking smoking smoke it's like <laughs> smoking smoke it's like drive it and then smoke and then drive it and then light smoke there is a lot of smoking in this like there's um we'll obviously go to the, the in fact let's touch on the branding right now actually Okay. Before you actually answer the question as to why George Lee. So in this film, this is probably the most prominent brand that I've seen of the film so far. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's smoking. There's um Terry Savalas. The way he smokes irritates me. Yeah, why Arc- is he holding why it that does way? He, do that? Why, <laughs> he points to go, 
Why did I then he goes? Yeah, that is there, weird. Is there, some, is there a medical thing that I don't know about? Like, and he, I don't. It might have just been something that he thought was good for the character, and it is. It's, it's stuck in here, right? Yeah, true. If anyone smokes like that, it's like, oh, that's like you're both of them. exactly. Uh, so that camel, camel that. cigarettes were a brand in it. Uh, Toblerone was branded throughout the ski resort. Uh, Dom Perignon again mm-hmm. was in it. Aston Martin, obviously, now a very iconic V8 car was in it. Rolex, uh, Rolex, the circ- the circuit race when they try to get away. Yeah, that is like Corgi, BP, Gillette, Avon tires. They're all oh, at the nice. side. I don't know if that was just written into, but like, right, we've got these four other companies. <laughs> do we put them in <laughs> How do we put them in together? Uh, there was there was a lot of branding in this, and yeah, the, the smoking. Side, I'd noticed that was something about this film where a lot of branding came in. Probably the just the sponsorship type, deals, yeah, yeah. That that because the thing is, maybe it was round about that time where marketing wasn't. I don't know, if marketing was such a big thing. Obviously, mm. big events weren't a thing. Woodstock was the first of its kind, yeah, for that large thing. After which, every festival was like sponsorship deals, yeah, branding and such. The only other sponsorship she got was for films. That was really mm. it. But this was maybe where it started to, yeah, get, get more commercialised. So anyway, enough about smoking. Smoke. You smoking yet? Uh, <laughs> what? Why was right? Why so was George? 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 Do you know anything about the why George was? I know George in? Lazenby's Australian. Okay, so George, <laughs> I don't know if it's Lazenby or Lazenby. I would have said Lazenby. Lazenby. <laughs> Try Lazenby in Australian. <laughs> Lazenby. <laughs> Right, so George Lazenby Lazenby is an Australian. He's a model. He has a good look about it. It does have that is his real hair, isn't it? Yeah, see it. it? There must be a. He is a model. He's never acted before, except for being in television commercials. He was in Fry's Chocolate. That's quite surprising because he was actually quite good for the most part. I think he was good. I think he was quite good. He played a Bond that I've written down here um, was kind of emotionless, if I'm very emotionless, not not, not really a lot of expression at it's, all. Is that but, good acting? <laughs> no. Yeah, Bad it's acting. the character, but then he played a Bond that knows everything about everything. There wasn't anything he didn't That's know. That's true. He knew everything from... The butterflies. Yeah, the butterflies and then... He ate a bit of caviar, knew exactly where it was from, and he's like talking about drinks and stuff like. Like mm-hmm. he knew everything, and then they were explaining the virus and such. Like he knew everything about that. Yeah, and I'm like, right, maybe, maybe he does. I don't know. <laughs> I believe Sherlock Holmes. Like, Sherlock so Holmes knows so everything. Yeah, true. I can't say this is this is not believe. So why was he actually? Hired? Well, he was hired. That was. There's lots of said no. There's lots of different. Uh, conflicting stories as to why he, it was actually him that was chosen over anybody else so John Connery had a five picture deal so he reached his fifth picture with You Only Live Twice he hated filming that didn't he know. was so disheartened and didn't care he was kind of out of shape and didn't put in a <laughs> performance pile of money <laughs> yeah in fact one of the reasons he thought he, he's leaving is because he thought he was underpaid so, and basically he'd had too much of the fame and he was like, right, I'm out. And even before the film was released, mm. he announced that he was leaving. So they knew that he ha- they had to find a replacement. Okay. Originally they were going to film 
on Her Majesty's Secret Service with Sean Connery and then do You Only Live Twice, but they couldn't get the temperature and the conditions for the snow um, in 67, so they'd swap the films about. Which is a shame because I think if this that was Sean Connery's sense. if this was Sean Connery's final film, it would have been the best ever, undoubtedly, I would say. And I it would also make sense with the plots. Yes, the fact that it's it's hard to believe where he knows who Blowfield is after that. Goodbye, Mr. Bond, and then <laughs> they meet each other and they're like, "Who are you?" Yeah, I Have think you hit your head. Oh no, that's the end of your life. That's twice. the last one. That's the book. No, I think that you try and gloss over that plot hole that they supposed to I'll have just, never met. I'll suspend belief purely because the books are the other way around. So this is the first actual meeting in the books. Why was there a new Blofeld? Was it just for that reason there's a new James Bond and we'll just pretend? I think that was half the reason. So George, we'll go back to George Lazenby. He was a new Bond. He actually beat out a 22-year-old Timothy Dalton to the role. Ooh, Timothy Dalton said he was too young and too inexperienced as an actor. He wouldn't do it. And he thought... Give me 15 years. <laughs> so, yeah, 20 years later That's or something. Um, yes. He'd never acted before. He was only in commercials and he'd done modelling. There's actually... Um, he does a sort of biography film, which is called Becoming Bond. Came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a really good... It's basically his autobiography about how he became Bond from a child up to up to getting the role and it's very 60s it goes through all his escapades and the swinging 60s yeah I've, I've heard about George and <laughs> this was he, did, he wasn't playing you as one he was just playing himself yes definitely but he wanted the role so much that he was in London doing modelling he was in he wanted the role so much that he actually went and bought the same kind of watch as Sean Connery he went to Sean Connery's barber and got the same haircut as Sean Connery he went to the same suit shop in Savile Row and actually bought a suit that was made for Sean Connery and Sean Connery never picked up so he was like I'll buy it is this method acting or is this infatuation so and the, 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 the story Sean Connery? I thought Sean Connery was bald at this point <laughs> that's true how did he have <laughs> George Goxon and they like just shave his hair like that yes <laughs> make me receding <laughs> But he was only 27 or something, Lazenby at the time. Was he? He looked older than 27. 27, tw- maybe 29 when it came out, I can't remember. I mean, that you're 27. Thanks for telling everyone that. <laughs> I'm 29. <laughs> I don't think I look as old as George Lazenby does. Yeah, there. he's pretty old looking. He but is then it's rugged. Quite it's quite good for the character. Yes, definitely, mm. definitely. But the, the story goes in that Becoming Bond series that he... Um, the only reason he got a meeting with Broccoli was that he ran past the secretary and ran up the hall when she wasn't looking and barged into the office wearing all the Sean Connery stuff that he'd bought. With a Playboy magazine. And and basically demanded, not demanded, but keep, gave him a, a speech as to why he was to be James Bond and all that. And it was partly the fact that he had the bravado to do that, that he was offered the role. Yeah, I think it was probably the right. For, for, I, I don't know who the other competition was no I looked at, I looked yeah. to the other names and I have no idea who they are and they all yeah. look very similar yeah I, I don't really think there was anything wrong with the performance I thought it was like it was unique it wasn't Sean Connery mm-hmm, definitely. And I did feel like there was a few times that he was trying to be 
Sean Connery. Right. But that was mostly in the, the Alpine room, which is like, when I seen that scene for the first time, I was like, a guy wrote this. Which one? <laughs> oh, Alpine when room. all the, the girls are yeah. in it. Mm. And Joanna Lumley's in there. Yeah, yeah. The rest I of never actually noticed it was Joanna Lumley, it was Rachel. It was like, we go put that back. Was that Joanna Lumley? Yeah, it, it was. Is. What did she say? Of course, I know what he's allergic to. Yes, because they all think he's gay. Yeah. And really boring. Yes. It reminded me of, see when he was talking about the coat of arms and stuff, and it did, like, three balls. it did like a crossfade to them just at dinner. And it reminded me of seeing Top Gear when James May starts talking and they just fade to black. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of that. I was like, God, he's so boring, man. Like, yeah. he's actually boring them in tears. He's boring the scene away. <laughs> I think that scene as well like got quite a lot of um that was there was quite good lines in this film. You mean like one liners? Yeah. So there was like, like that scene like just a slight stiffness. That is coming under the shoulder and it was like, okay, that was quite good. And then there was uh Gatecrasher after he throws the guy through, let's be honest, a bit of wood. It's not a gate. <laughs> a bit of wood and he goes gatecrasher and then at the very end when Blofeld comes up and he says he's branched off. Who's branched he talking off. to? There's no one else there. I branched off. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I thought the lines in this were actually pretty good. There was just... No, I'm, I'm not going to criticise the film yet. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the things I like about the film. So we okay. spoke about George Lazenby. Lazenby. Uh, Telly? I thought his name was Terry. Telly, Telly, Telly on the Telly, Telly Savalas. Um, I thought he was good. I thought he was quite threatening. I mean, he's he he so gets good. the role purely. I think part two reasons. One because there's a new Bond, so why not just recast the main villain? But then why would you not recast everybody? Um, but I think it's because this Blofeld actually has some action, and I couldn't see Donald Pleasance doing an action scene in a bobsled. No, I think that was the reason because he's a bigger kind of yeah guy. I thought he was he was quite threatening. Plus, I, something I wasn't I didn't look into it because I didn't think I was going to find an answer. But he's talking about like the UN and how he's going to threaten the UN. And mm-hmm. the US and I don't think the UN had a lot of power back then. <laughs> the UN's biggest issue was like protests. Yeah, war and assassinations. If someone at the UN heard them, was like, "Oh, this old guy's coming in with like a virus is going to release you," but like, fucking put it in the pile over there. <laughs> I'll deal with that next. Just delegate that to somebody else. I've got too much to deal with over here. Oh, mm. virus! Oh, that, that would actually solve some of my problems. <laughs> <laughs> too many people. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, well, I think that the, the the plot was kind of not cliche. Um, maybe not at the time though in no, the 60s the it wouldn't be it's a, what is it a bio weapon really he's trying to get rid of all the farming and crops yeah. and stuff which I don't know bio well, I don't weapons I think he was going to do it he was just he, want, he, was, he was quite an easy demand I think about it I just want amnesty I don't want money I just amnesty and my title and a title fine give him amnesty and then kill him <laughs> <laughs> yeah like a year later yeah just... like why is that so hard? I just want amnesty. I just want someone to hug me. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah, that's that's all he wanted. And then it was for all oh, for past crimes. Yeah. Well, what else has he done? Well, apparently he stole spaceships. <laughs> he stole spaceships, the nuclear submarines. He's killed numerous people that, yep. that people don't really know about. But, but Spectre's not mentioned in this either. 
I don't think the there's, name there's na- is, the, is the name is oh, said wait, a is couple actually, times. Yeah, it's, but... it's against um, Draco's company, yeah. not company. Yeah. Organization. So when we were talking about like free love and the sixties coming to an end, John Lennon with the big hair. So did I knew that George Lazenby was given like a seven picture deal. He was offered seven films off the back of this and he turned them down because his agent said James Bond is dying it's it's irrelevant in the 70s turned down the role and on set apparently he was arrogant and all that and they asked him to do things certain ways like the gun barrel scene and he refused he went on his knee he went on his knee and they were like can you can you not do that and he went down on his knee again and they're like right fine so they kind of had some animosity right and turned up to the premiere with long hair and a beard and the producers were like this is not what James Bond's like you can't do this and he was like no man I'm my own person and he and just turned it down so what did he do after James Bond nothing he did like vanity projects and then became nothing but in in his defence, like you were saying good actor he was the only James Bond to actually be nominated for a Golden Globe which is a pretty big thing. What, what other films are at the same time? <laughs> I don't know. The world was too preoccupied. Too preoccupied. What yeah, about, what do you think of Diana Rigg? I think she was probably a saving grace. A very nice looking, perfect Bond woman. Um, acting chops, great. Comes yeah. from the Avengers. Quite a lot of the sort of recurring cast comes from the Avengers Pussy Galore they just go and take them <laughs> from the cast yeah I thought I thought it was I don't know I, I, I don't think she was very good I don't think good or bad to say I've, I, again it's it's the story that kind of makes it a bit odd like she's just there going into the sea but then what, she what, comes how, across how, how, do, how, like, do, how do we explain that or oh, the dad says oh she's just troubled Mm. I was like, oh, right, she's talking to very sixties. Kill herself, okay? She just yes, his explanation is she just needs a man. <laughs> exactly. she needs a man to dominate. <laughs> I think even in the late sixties, that was probably outdated thinking. Yeah, and it's like right, okay, and then you're like, okay, was she okay now? She clearly had some sort of mental health issue, but uh-huh. no, she's fine now. now that she and then James oh, Bond. she's away, and then when James Bond is away to Pease Gloria the dad tells her where he is and then she just appears and is skiing yeah. expecting something to happen and then runs into him and yeah. I, I, I suppose it was quite nice as well it was the the scene where they are how how would you describe it courting where there's a, a montage yeah there's a turf <laughs> they're walking through a garden she picks up a cat and puts the cat down and <laughs> then they're driving somewhere and on the beach and yeah, so, yeah yeah so that that kind of remi- didn't remind me but it's um, quite comparable to Casino Royale with, right. the, with Eva Green that bit at the end uh, where they are just two people or just a couple yeah yeah and you don't really see that and I think <laughs> I think if it was it went on too long in the film <laughs> it was very quiet for that point nothing was really happening but it's develops the character and I thought, I thought she was good, a yeah. good match for James Bond because she's like a, a feisty a good match for George Lazenby yes okay. not, not Sean not, not Sean. Roger I think Sean would have been amazing in this film 
I know that uh, Bridget Bardot was originally asked to be Tracy. She's a big sixties Avengers. <laughs> no, she's not. But she turned it down to be in a film with Sean Connery. What was that film? I think it was a western. Don't tell me it was the one where he's wearing those like red like pant <laughs> things. <laughs> no, actually. Stripe and he's getting a ponytail. It could well be. I, I don't, don't know. know the name of that <laughs> Neither film. do I, but I know that. I know it's like, it's meant to be set in 2023. Oh, so is so it? Because remember at the start of the year, people said, oh, this is how we're meant to dress now. And it was like, <laughs> Sean Connery, like, red leather pants and a handgun. <laughs> okay. I think it's now time for question two. <laughs> What pants did Sean Connery wear? <laughs> so it's gone for question two. Question two, I think, is still quite an easy one. Again, if you watched the film and just listened, <laughs> listened to the dialogue. So question two. How much was Sir Hilary Bray's fee? Maybe not his fee, but what uh, the the Blochamps the Institute offered for his services. Yeah, the Royal College of Arms. Yes, mm-hmm. offered for that. Uh, I thought that, I, I liked that scene. Because that was um, the heraldry scene. I like that whole part of the story that I'll pretend to be someone. Because I never noticed until you told me before that his voice is dubbed after. He pretends to be Hilary Bray. I'm assuming by the actor that plays Hilary Bray. I would would think so. Because there's a bit behind the desk and he says something to him and Hilary Bray goes, Yeah, and that voice. All right, I get it now. So I liked that and I liked the fact that he was pretending. Why there was a kill, I don't know. But. The fact that he was pretending to be this character and must have studied a lot mm-hmm. to fully immerse in this character. Yeah, I like it goes that in depth at the dinner table for yeah, his role. Boring everyone to tears. Uh, yeah. The other thing that I really liked, it's only a small scene and I wish they did it a bit more, was the in Bern where they go to the, as a solicitor. <coughs> yeah. Go to the solicitor's office, goes into the office, gets... Safe cracking scene. Yeah, safe cracking. Safe cracks, and he photocopies it. Part of me was like, "Do I have a, a, a camera or something like <laughs> a safe cracker?" And I thought, "Oh, maybe they just didn't have that." No, no. At the end, when he's in, yeah, the, he has the little he takes camera the picture. And I'm like, "Where was that? Like that, a few months ago." That would have been. That would have been quite handy. But yeah. I, I liked that. I liked the, the fact that he had. He couldn't just bring this in himself. We had to get a yeah crane to drop it a off. Crane out the window. That was a good scene. Yeah. Actually, probably. The best scoring as well. The yes. tense music there was, was great. Tense. But he was very relaxed as well. He was just because he took his watch off and he put it down. They just sang. Uh-huh, and just then the, the music was, gets yeah. more tense as the guy comes back and it just makes it in time. Yeah, I, I actually really like that. And that's that I suppose that's thing. actually a good thing for the gadgets as well. So the what gadgets? Side, something that wasn't used but was quite a weird mention was the the radioactive pocket lint. Yeah, what was that all about? I, what was the point in that? I think he was just trying to talk about... I don't... <laughs> just fill a few just seconds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the safe cracker, the photocopier, the miniature camera. That was really actually. Yeah, know, there was really not much. a lot of gadgets in this film at all. Uh, I don't think... I think if you had gadgets... Gadgets, I've learned now, kind of fluff up a script. And I don't think this script needed to be fluffed. The film is a bit too long, in my opinion. Yeah. But... Two hours twenty or something. That is. Yeah, it doesn't need to be that long. You could take mm-hmm. bits of it down, but I still did quite like it. There was something I noticed as well um, with the casting as Ruby Bartlett, and I seen the, the sort of curly-haired one. Yeah, Ruby Bartlett. Um, 
annoying voice. I was like, I've seen her from something before. Where she's oh, right. but she's from a show called You Rang My Lord. Right. And she doesn't look the same, but very similar. I was like, yellow eyes. I'm like, is that woman? And yeah, it's her. Her character I never liked. I just found her to be too because she's allergic to chickens. Too sort of dumb blondes. She comes across as <laughs> quite young. I'm not really into that scene. No. He actually ends up, he's supposed to be in love with Tracy and then goes and beds all these women. But then he, he does it like a big catfish. He's like, oh no, I'm gay. And then it sneaks into the room and it's like, oh, but you don't like women? I like you. And then he uses the <laughs> he same uses speech. The exact same line. <laughs> and then he goes by, he talks himself. Oh, hello. Exactly. And then the are curling and he goes, I'll see you eight. Next one, I'll see you eight. <laughs> Ah, yeah, I think it was like okay, it was <laughs> it was funny. it was almost kind of like that joke. <laughs> it's not that thing. It's like an insult to someone. It was like you couldn't get laid in a woman's prison with a pocket full of pardons. It was that <laughs> thing. It was that thing of him walking, and he's like the only man mm-hmm. here, and I kill. Yeah, kilt, of course. And like all the women are like. I've not seen a man in months. It was like, it was, it was, that's why I thought, this has been written by a guy. Yeah, definitely Ian Fleming, big man. Uh, yeah. I think he's in a kilt because this book, which is basically word for word film, was being written at the same time as they were filming Doctor No with Scottish Sean Connery. So he probably put him in a kilt to like mm. bring out that Scottish heritage. Something I noticed as well, just personal observation, is the blonde, curly assistant, spy. You know, the guy who helps him with the crane and the guy who's up yes. the climber. Uh-huh. It took me a long time to realise they're the same person. I didn't, oh, I didn't click it at first. Um, I noticed that he was driving up the mountain in a cream Volkswagen Beetle. Beetle. Uh-huh. And I was like, it's quite an odd car to think about. And I looked it up and the love bug... The, the herpy kill came out in 1969. Right. And I was like, is this some kind of weird crossover promotion? <laughs> I thought, that's an odd car to drive up a mountain with. Yeah. Not just drive in general, but just up a mountain. It's never going to work. Is yeah, it? it's not going to work. But I was like, that's quite. And then I looked up the film and I thought, oh, that film came out the exact same year. Is that like a. I don't know. Is that. Is that something? A coincidence. Is that like a, was that a leftover? A week, yeah. And then just took it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was the same car. I, I don't know. It was like. Must have been filmed around the same time and they just went, ah, there you go. Take it. Or just, you know, put this in here because, I don't know, was The Love Bug also? I don't know the studio that made it. MGM? MGM? Maybe? I don't know. Don't know. I asked the question. Do you answer them for me? <laughs> There's so many questions. Answer. I know that the when the film filming producers found that Peace Gloria set it was a hotel that was under construction wasn't finished yet the producers were like um we'd really want it because it's basically in the book it describes something exactly like this Uh and they were like right okay you can use it but you have to pay for your own helipad to be built and you have to pay for the internal refurb of the restaurant so they were like right fine okay as long as you get to use this set helipad Uh uh-huh they had to but they had to Construct a helipad so for... So I'm assuming the only way up to this before was by cable car? Probably. Or it was just abandoned and they didn't have yeah. the money to... So they it. ended up having to pay to use that scene. All in all was about $125,000. Yeah. 
through building helipads and building restaurants and furniture and all that, just to use that one scene. I suppose. Which doesn't sound a lot nowadays, but probably quite a lot back then. I like this this skiing scenes, the, the actual yeah. fighting. Well, that that's actually parts of my Bond moments. Before we do the Bond moments, there was a bit I found quite funny, is see when he gets off the... When he gets off the mountain and he's trying to get away. This is before uh-huh. he meets Tracy. Yes. He tries to get away and he's in like... Try to be you know, covert and sneak away and such, and a guy grabs them and they go in <laughs> and they start fighting each other and they uh-huh. fight in the loudest fucking room on earth. It's a room that's full of bells. Yeah, And the bell right. off and then there's gunfire and I was like this is so... Hold on, it was like fireworks going off as well. And I was like, it's the most inconvenient <laughs> to fight someone if you're trying to stay like low. Yeah, low profile. Thought, that's about... That's an odd <laughs> filmmaking <Why>? choice. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was quite... I thought it was quite good. But yeah, the... The skiing scene was iconic, not just for the fact that it... Well, actually, there's two skiing scenes. There's the one where he's trying to get away mm-hmm. when he's got the big Willy Wonka goggles. Oh, no. Not right, <laughs> again. Um, and then there's the, the bit where himself and, and Tracy are trying to ski away. That's with the gruesome death. Yes. But the yes. something I really liked about that skiing scene was the fact that not just for a character, but the stunt guy had to ski with one ski. So yeah, the ski well, came off of course, and he had yeah. to go on one leg. He had to do jumps and land on one leg. Mm-hmm. I don't know how difficult that is. <laughs> Probably. Any skiers tell us how difficult that is. Very difficult. But, I knew yeah. that it was a, they were they were Olympians, actual Olympian skiers that they used oh, was that in those the, scenes. And that the, makes sense. the cameramen had to ski backwards holding the handheld camera to get those scenes. I thought, going down used, the mountains. I thought they would have used a, like, a actual They didn't mobile. have drones or anything. <laughs> no, but like a, 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 was that a ski, not a ski mobile. I don't know. So the, I, I know that the guy was called Willie Bogner who filmed the ski scene. So shout out to you, big Willie. Jun <laughs> <laughs> Jun. And the, the bobsleigh scenes as well. The cameramen were actually hold, were actually rope tied to the bobsleds going down with them. Oh my god! Handheld cameras as well. So that's some really dangerous stuff. And our old friend, our old friend Johnny Jordan, filmed the helicopter scenes a year before he was tragically killed. With one leg. With one leg. He came back. He doesn't know when to quit. <laughs> he came back to do the same sort of stuff <laughs> in this in a harness again, hanging out of a helicopter. What a guy! <laughs> what I found, I, I like the bobsled. There is one bit in the bobsled which is kind of like what, well, and I had to put it back. I was like, ah, you just fucked up here. Alright, okay. It's like it's it's green screen when you've got yeah when you've got the those, actual the actors act. going on, <clears throat> and there's a bit where he's taking the grenade. And then he drops the grenade and he tries uh-huh, to get yeah, it out. Yeah. And for some reason, they f- they flip the green screen. Like okay. the green screen does almost not a three sixty, but let's call it at least over a one eighty. The world does that. All oh, right, I know. And then it just it. goes back. And I was like, <laughs> it was like Leo DiCaprio. Was like, what was that? And I was like, so I was like, oh, they they messed they messed up. It's only one wee bit. But I was yeah. like, it looks. It was. Do you know what it was? It was Thunderball esque. But it was used yes. all over the place. Okay. But I, I like that, and I like the 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 grip of James Bond to hold on to a, a bobsleigh and, 
then get up and then fight and then get I up liked, and then fight. I actually thought there was quite a sort of modern Bond moment where he's like puts his head out of the bobsleigh and it's oh, catching and against that, the that ice. That was good. That was good. That's my favourite about the whole, but that was quite yeah, brutal and quite brutal. harsh. However, it did make me question why he was on there at all. Because as much as I know about a bobsleigh, it goes one route, <laughs> it finishes one route, and yeah. you come off the mountain and you have a helicopter and you see him getting into a bobsleigh, just fly down the thing with the bobsleigh. Just of fly there. Don't have to jump after him and like yeah. chase him. Like you're both go in the same place. But yeah, I suppose it did make quite a memorable death as well of the pushing him up and that's used quite a lot in films now actually. But if it's in a train or such, you know, the, there's a fight on top of a train and you look and you see the bridges coming uh, and you push you the to. guy up and uh-huh. it's used quite a lot. So yeah, it was quite good and it, it gave a a nice um it gave a nice line. The other thing that I had is a Bond moment, and it's only a small bit, mm-hmm. is see when they're attacking Peace Gloria, yeah. and they're shooting, going all over the place, James Bond slides on his belly yes. through the ramp, and it's like, it is like, and yeah, he's, like the actual original scene yeah, plays and stuff. That bit's good, and he's just yeah. stuff. That bit was, I, I've, it's so brief, Yeah, you don't quite notice it's yeah, there. Yeah. But it was only on my third watch. I was like, oh, that was cool. That, that was that cool. That should have been longer. Yeah, and then there's uh, a guy with a flamethrower. <laughs> yeah, why there's a guy with a flamethrower? <laughs> did that guy bring it? Like, why did that guy bring the flame? Was he going to, to melt the snow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. That, that, that is a good bomb one. That was um, that was actually really all I have for the bomb moments. So I think there's not many. I would say there's not <laughs> many like standout bond moments that you go, oh, yes, rewind that. There's nothing like that, I guess. Like the whole ski chase is probably a good moment, and the the shooting on the flying on the stomach is yeah. a good one. I think the iconic bits. The, the issue with this film having one actor, and I think it would be the same if Timothy Dalton did one film rather than two. Is having one actor as the actor themselves are kind of the moment. So what I mean by that mm. is, there is a few moments in this which are technically Bond moments. When he comes out in a kilt, that's the first time James Bond wears a kilt. So that's iconic. The Aston Martin V8, iconic. The song, in my opinion, is the most iconic bit of this film because yeah. it's used over and over again. The Louis Armstrong song as well, which yeah. I believe he did record before he died. It was the last thing um, he ever did. Yeah, like so that, like dispersed throughout the film, mm-hmm. was good. And then the, I thought the ending was pish, to be honest. What, that, the death? The, not the death, the acting. What, who? That, that wasn't very good. That was a. It's okay. Of all the time in the world. I don't know what he was supposed to say or what he was meant to do, but that was just kind of. That like, was exactly word for word as the book. I know, but I'm sure there was maybe a bit more emotion in it. it just, um, well, to be fair, he. George Lazenby actually filmed it with him crying in that scene, uh, and Peter Hunt, the director, said, Bond doesn't cry, do it again. Alright, okay. So it's Peter. Yeah. Pedro, that's your fault. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that the, the song, again, iconic, but both songs are iconic. The most iconic thing of this film in George Lazenby is that pose next to Buckingham Palace. The lamppost. Yes. With Big Ben in the background. Is. That's honestly the most timeless thing of George Yeah, Lazenby's, it really like, is. Thing. Like, of, of anything like that. Kind that kind of pose, isn't it? Yeah, when he's there and he's his leg crossed. Yep. Everybody does it in that lamppost. That, even though he did a whole film... That one thing is yeah, his legacy is James Bond. Shot, That's it. That is an iconic thing. Everyone who's in London goes there. Everyone in the lamppost, I think, yeah. is still there. I don't know. 
or been modernised or something. But people always go and do it. That's the most. And if he did multiple films, it'd be kind of a shame because people would still go, oh, it's that. I suppose that's the picture. It's nothing to do with the action shots mm. or anything he's doing at all. It's that. It's that one thing. That's that's. I really like the film. I think it's the best book, and I couldn't put it down, even though it's over three hundred pages. And it's basically, as I've said, the exact same. And I think it's really good. What it could have been a lot better. It could have been a little bit shorter. Um, it could have been. It could have been Sean Connery. <laughs> That's what I mean. It could have. It could have been. I think he would have grown into the role if he actually took the seven picture deal. He would have been by film three, like full on the best Bond probably. Mm. And he could. He would have only been in his forties when he ended it. Can he beat Roger? Yes, you can certainly beat Roger. You cannot beat Roger. Roger's the oh, I can't beat those episodes. So <laughs> I've got some facts that you would actually probably really like. Hit me with your facts. Right, did you know that this is Chris Nolan's favourite Bond film? I'm not surprised. For a filmmaker, I'm not surprised with that. I've also got a fact about Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan is a massive Bond fan. Yes. And whenever he makes a lot of action films, he does actually use the term, oh, that's kind of Bondy. I'd like that to be quite James Bond-like. Well, that, that, that kind of goes on to this. It says that the climactic battle in Inception in the third dream in the snow... Oh. was basically his reinterpretation of Under Majesty's Secret Service. And there's an early battle in Batman Begins. This is kind of supposed to be the same. Oh, actually, there's the, the mountaintop thing where the League of Shadows That's are based. loosely. And in fact, going deeper into <laughs> Batman, which is Derek's other love in life, is that I've got it written here. Bond's courtship of Tracy, as well as the mounting setting and much of the action, is inspired inspired elements of the first appearance of Ra's al Ghul in the Batman comics. So in his first debut appearance, it's a story called The Daughter of the Demon, mm -hmm. where he hires, Ra's al Ghul hires Batman to find his daughter who's been kidnapped. Holly. And it's all, a it's all a plot to get... Uh, to see if Batman was worthy enough to marry his daughter, exactly like Draco and Tracy. Yeah. So that film directly inspired that that character and that story of Batman. I have a quick question for you. Nothing to do with what you just said, but I like those facts. At the end of the movie... Uh huh. Draco and M are talking. Yes. And they mention November sixty four, the bullion job. Three of Draco's operators are taken out by M or an M operation. Was that Goldfinger? Oh, that's a good. I don't know actually. Said anyone? It's good to meet a adversary or someone who's involved with that. And he goes, um, I lost the operators. And then he goes, ah, November 64, the bullion job. And they yeah. start talking when I was like, is that try to hint that this is the same James Bond and it's the same yeah. world kind of thing again? Could be, actually. I don't know do that. Have? Do you have any more facts? That was, I, I thought you'd have liked that James Bond. I did like that. That, that Batman fact. I think, I've got, I think James Bond and Batman are quite similar. I've got that the, <laughs> in Switzerland, which is Peace Gloria is basically set, um, that they have this annual thing where they set off detonators and explosives 
in the mountains to control the snow levels for the skiing. And Peter Hunt used these. He wanted to go film them letting off all the bombs to do his avalanche scenes. Okay. But when they got there, the, the avalanches had already happened a few months earlier than than planned. So he had no avalanches to film. So they had to use stock footage from previous films and previous documentaries to show the avalanche. I don't think you notice. And I think you do. If you know that fact and then watch, you see the actual film difference in the sort of Oh, grading and stuff and the quality okay. when it shows you like the, the mountain snow versus George Lazenby. Would you like to give the third and final question? Yes, I shall give the third and final question. I think this is actually quite a hard question. Okay. It, it requires a bit of thought. Mm. It requires working back the way. Oh no, I can't do that. It, it's, like been, it's been said, half of, it's, half of the answer is said, but the other half you have to look for okay. in the film. Do you know the answer to this? I don't know the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know the answer then, do you? Before I ask this question, mm-hmm. a few people have actually asked me, oh, do you have like sponsors or stuff? Do you have people sponsoring the podcast? And no, no. No, we, we don't. don't. We don't because it adds too much time. We're quite strict on our time for the episode. We also don't really want to break up the momentum at this point. Plus, we don't have a lot to pay for. <laughs> at this point. Yeah. We don't have a lot of expenses. We don't need um, money and such to come in. So but we, at this point, if we don't have to, we don't want to add sponsorships to then break up the flow of us talking absolute yeah. shite to each other. Oh yes, but and that is. if you would like to sponsor the podcast, not sponsor, support. Support, like support the podcast for the best thing. An individual support the podcast. You can buy these t-shirts. You can buy a mug which is on our store, or you can go to Buy Me A Coffee. I think that's the link. That's the name of the website, Buy Me A Coffee, which we've actually changed our thing to Buy Me A Martini. So if you go on, it says that. Yeah. And uh, you can you can donate towards it, and that, that makes us happy. That helps us feeds pay us. for these episodes. And yeah, we're very welcome. So, <laughs> self-promotion over. <laughs> Back to question three. Question three. What date, day and month, does Bond meet Draco? Quite a hard question. I know that one. You know that one? Yeah. Do you actually know it? Yes. Yes. I'll tell you after the cameras are done. You've got the the date that was said? I've got both. The date is said and then the Uh month is, yes. Yes, what was quite good, a nice cinematic thing was, it's out of focus until Draco puts on his glasses and then that goes into focus. The, oh, I didn't know that's when he puts The calendar board, on. which is quite a cool cinematic thing. Another f- few firsts for a James Bond film is slow motion. So when James Bond gets hit over the head, it goes into a slow motion scene. There's the love montage, which is another cinematic first for James Bond. There's also the speeding up. that And there's ruined, still some jump cuts start. and stuff. There was lots of, it was janky fighting at the start. Yes, and like stop motion. Like, yeah, I was like, that was when I put the film on, and I first seen that, I was like, oh no, what is this? Here we go again. And they do it a few times. The there's the bit where he's fighting the guy in the hotel room, and he grabs his arm, mm. and I think it takes too long, so they just speed up the footage, and again, it's like, why? Why would you do that? But I am interested to see where you're going to put 
on Her Majesty's Secret Service on this board. Do you want to rate it first and then I'll be the decider? Or no, uh, actually I'll put it, because you did yeah. it. But right, okay. Now, so, I, I have to say that I really, as a kid, didn't like it. I thought it was long, boring, not very James Bondy. Um, but as an adult, I actually really, really like the film and upon watching it recently and now having read the book, which is the best book, I think that it ranks very high for me. Right, well, I'm going to put it but I think it goes at this point. I'm going to see if you agree. And if you agree, then you can show it to the camera. If you want to change it, then you can change it. <laughs> oh, I need to actually think about it. Good, good, strong, strong position. I don't think it could go up uh, more than two, and I don't think it could go down more than two. I, th- I would... Personally, I might put it up one, but I think thinking overall, probably yes, that's correct. Yes, I'll stick okay. with it. Let's show that. So I'll stick it to, to my camera. camera. So for those that are watching, then obviously you can see Jack holding this board up to the camera. And um, for those who are not watching and are listening through your ears, the order we have is Goldfinger still in first place, and then from Russia with Love, then. Honor Majesty's Secret Service, then Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, and Doctor No. I feel quite sorry for Doctor No at this point. So do I. I think Doctor No maybe get no, no, we've done that episode. <laughs> like, it's set in stone. I would, I would push it back up above You Only Live Twice, but You Only Live Twice has more iconic bits. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I think we were a bit. It's, this is very difficult to this be fair. Hard. It might move. To be honest, they can move anytime. They will, they'll move no, as. We're going to leave them. We need a bigger boat. As Red Greg says. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's that's. I'm quite happy with where that is yeah, right now. It at might change at some point. <sighs> well, guess what? Oh no! I am looking forward to the return of the OG next the episode. The of the <laughs> Of the I, old man. I was going to say what I thought of this film, but I'll, I'll wait till next week. Of the next film? Yes, of Diamonds Are Forever, yes. Uh, the podcast will return and diamonds are forever and we're going to think of a a nice way to sign this off people are at this moment just turning the podcast off I know please don't (laughs) to wrap up no one's listening anymore it's just us they've turned it off already still don't know what to do if you've not seen any of the other episodes that we've spoke about then go and see it if you're on Spotify then click follow if you're on YouTube then hit subscribe if you're on Apple then do whatever Apple get you to do Mm -hmm. and please share the podcast with anyone tell people tell film fans yeah we don't just talk about James Bond, we go off in weird tangents which no one really cares about, but they're quite entertaining. No. So yeah, if you could share the podcast. Share with your friends, please. And we will see you next. The next time is Diamonds Are Forever, so please, before we do the next one, go watch Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah. Refresh yourself, get yourself prepared for the questions. Yeah. Prepare yourself for the questions and you can discuss it amongst yourselves with us at the same time. yourselves? <laughs> I don't know. Get your schizophrenic friends. <laughs> and we will return in the 70s. Yes. Yes, new decade. New decade. Same bond. Same hairpiece. New cat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye.